Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. to make. My name is Brad Ruggles, and I am a teacher's pet. (laughs) Maybe you knew someone like this growing up in your school, uh, in college. You know, I I, I was homeschooled, so to be clear, it wasn't that difficult in my last years of high school. But every opportunity I've had since then in, in any type of class or group structure, I find there is this part of me that wants to get on the good side of the teacher instructor as soon as possible. It drives Lisa nuts because we could, we just got back from a cruise last week and like it could be something as simple as like an excursion where there's a captain who is like, okay, we're gonna walk on the beach and we're gonna go over that catamaran, we're all gonna get on. And they're like, I'm right on his heels. I'm like, I got you, I'm right here. And then, uh, you know, I'm, and he's like, this is what we're gonna do. And I'm like, gotcha, gotcha. I'm listening, I'm paying attention because it's so important to be on the good side of the teacher. If there are any assignments, any activities, I wanna make sure I'm doing it well and preferably better than anyone else in the group. And if I could get pointed out, if the, if the instructor, the teacher can says, you know, say, hey, hey, good job, you know, way to go, you did that perfect. Or even better for a teacher's pet, nobody loves this better than when they say, hey, everybody in the class, look at Brad, look at how he did this over here, man. I mean, it's like I'm a dog, you know, when you find that spot and you scratch, you're like, oh, yes, so good. You know, I, when I was in uh, a vocational school uh, back in Michigan, this was for in graphic arts, uh, I, I was in this class, and I was one of those, those geeky students that, like, wasn't there because I had to be. I wanted to be in this graphics class. This is my first experience with Photoshop and some of the graphics programs, so, like, I just dove headlong into this program. And, like, you know, if there was an assignment, I wanted to get it done first, better than anyone in the class, and if there were any extra credits, you better believe I was going to be doing that. Uh, I I was one of those geeky kids who actually asked the instructor, you know, are there any additional like tutorials or books or things I could do outside of class? And he's like, yeah, and so he provided these extra resources for me, and uh, you know, I loved applying myself to that. You know, for those who are teacher's pets, you may not have been one of those students. Maybe you were the one that was kind of like in the back of the class trying to get away, you know, from the assignments. But regardless of that, whether you're the teacher's pet or the other end of the spectrum, there's something that we all have in common, and it's that need for validation, that need for approval, There's this carrot that we chase called approval that just fulfills something in us. Now, whether you are extroverted or introverted, the fact that you are a human being, you are cognitively wired to be in community with other human beings, and there is a part of you that feels deeply fulfilled when you are affirmed. Because basically, approval is this need to be liked, to be accepted, to be affirmed. Uh, when, I, when I started out in, um, here in Indiana at a graphic, uh, I started my own freelance design work and I did a lot of social media consulting and at the time I was doing 
a lot of blogging and, and social media. And, and for me, at least for my personality, this is not applicable to everyone. You know, many of you may know that like I'm not really on Facebook. I have the account, but like, you know, if there's pictures, Lisa post them and I'll manage some stuff for, for the church. That, that, that didn't always used to be the case because I used to be quite active. As a matter of fact, like when Twitter was like really, really new, I had my like Twitter handle back before you had all the weird like numbers and characters to be able to get that handle. Uh, I had like every new social media thing as it came out. I had a MySpace account. Anybody remember that? Um, and, and so when any of these different feeds or services came out, I was on it. And it, I made it both my business to understand it, but I also personally enjoyed it because as my blog grew in the early days of like WordPress when, you know, it was kind of the wild, wild west of the blogosphere. And, you know, I started to get connected to other influential bloggers and, and I would write a post and, you know, wow, this got like 14 comments and this got, you know, 18 comments. And then I'd have a certain posts that would kind of like blow up and have all kinds of response. I love that. And I began to crave the recognition of posts or tweets that started to take off. I would go to these blogger meetups and I would meet other bloggers and I would find myself having to tamp down this urge to compare my blog to their blog, or my social media following to theirs. And this comparison and contrasting became something that was so obsessive, and it, and it actually took me to a place that really wasn't healthy, to the point where I finally had to say, at least for me, I, I had to bow out, because it was causing me uh, feelings of unrest because I was constantly comparing and seeking that approval, that validation that we can so quickly, so easily get through social media. Uh, the uh, author, Harry Bracker, she talks and she calls it this disease to please. And, and she says it this way. She's like, if you are an approval addict, your behavior is as easy to control as that of any other junkie. All a manipulator needs to do is a simple two-step process, give you what you crave and then threaten to take it away. Every drug deal in the world plays this game. It's this, you know, you know drug dealers or, or uh, drug addicts crave that next hit, that next fix. And for people who are people pleasers, who are addicted to it, they crave the validation of approval. Drug addicts seek drugs. People pleasers seek approval. And we can become addicted to that sense of approval, of validation that we receive. And we can receive it in all sorts of different ways. The writer of Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs chapter 29, Solomon writes this, he says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That Hebrew word for snare is mokesh, which uh, is a word that, that means like a, a, a trap that is laid to capture an animal. So there's this idea of, of, of trap or a, a hook that is applied in the nose of an animal to, to lead it around. You perhaps have seen like in the Middle East, it's less common here, but like, you know, if, if there were a nose in the hook, uh, a hook in the, uh, in the nose of, a, of an animal, you could easily lead that animal around without applying a lot of pressure to it because you have that, that animal by the nose. And, and Solomon says, this fear of man, this desire for approval, it can grab us and it can take hold of us. And once it has us, we can be led anywhere, and then it doesn't take us very long to become addicted to that feeling of validation, of approval. 
Solomon says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Uh, Again, each of us deal with this in our own ways. Some of us are more self-identified as people pleasers than others. I saw this t-shirt that says, I'm a recovering people pleaser. Is that okay? (laughs) You know, some of us know that about ourselves, that, you know what, I really do like that feeling of approval, of validation. Others maybe are are in self-denial because, again, like I said, we all have this to some degree, and maybe we are not aware of how frequently it controls our behavior, how frequently it controls our actions. You see, problems that people pleasers deal with is one is this obsessiveness over what other people think of us. Instead of making decisions based on what is right for you, you find yourself making decisions based on what others will think of what you do. Before long, you begin crafting this image that reflects this person you want to be, you, you craft this image based on how other people like you, and it's kind of like you do all these little, uh, these straw pulls, you know, these A-B testing. In, in, in programming world or in marketing world, you have A-B tests, right, where you give people options A and B, and then you find out which one works, and you add another one, A-B testing. We can find ourselves almost kind of like obsessively A-B testing our life. You know, we, we wear this shirt and, oh, we got a lot of compliments. Well, of course we're going to wear that shirt again because we got a lot of compliments when we wore that shirt. It made us feel good. Uh, but then that it begins to creep into other more uh, deeper, difficult areas in our life. You know, maybe it's the friends that we keep. Maybe it's the, the books that we read, the, the things that we do, the activities, the hobbies, until after a certain point, we find ourselves not recognizing the person that we have become because it is this patchwork quilt of all these different things that we have applied to our life based on the, the approval, the affirmation we get until we find ourselves not recognizing the person that we have become. Uh, people pleasers are often overly sensitive to criticism. If you, if you are a people pleaser, the, the thing that, uh, that really, really fills your tank is when somebody says, good job, when they pat you on the back. The thing that just tears you down is when you, when you get criticized, right? So back to my teacher's pet days, you know, I would feel so good, so affirmed if I did a project, if I did it right, especially if the teacher said, hey, everybody, look at how Brad did this project, you know, I feel like I'm on top of the world. Nothing is worse than when, like, your project is criticized, because then you find yourself so deeply connected to that thing that you did that it feels like they're they are attacking the very essence of who you are. You find yourself overly sensitive to criticism. You, you often find yourself having a hard time saying no to things because if there's anything a people pleaser likes to do, it's to say yes. Hey, can you help me move? Sure. Can you help me with this project? Yeah, absolutely. Until before long, you've taken on all these different things because you know that deep down you want to please the person. When, when you say yes to somebody, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel valued until before long you realize that you have overextended yourself, you've said yes to too many things, and you have a hard time saying no and only saying yes to the right things. Or 
People pleasers are afraid of conflict and therefore they, they avoid conflict because just like criticism, conflict makes a people pleaser just feel torn because you want the validation, the approval of being on the right side of things. That's why people pleasers are especially prone to something called virtue signaling, right? Where you throw out this cause, this book, this author of this thing that you are especially connected to that you know is going, you, you know you've kind of done your A-B testing to find out that that other person that you're talking to is probably in the same club as you. And what makes you feel good is when you then find out, oh, well, we're in the same club. We both like this band. We both like this author. And then you start, find yourself virtue signaling back and forth until you're in a silo of information because you've surrounded yourself with the people and the causes and the things that make you feel good and right and confirms your existing biases. And people pleasers are especially prone to that confirmation bias that, that you find yourself in this closed circuit loop of yes, of course, you're right, we're right, they're wrong. And you find yourself avoiding the conflict of any meaningful conversation. So these are some things that, that people pleasers struggle with. Carl Jung, uh, Jungian philosophy, he, uh, he talks about this, this shadow side of ourself that, that in our developmental upbringing, we find ourselves with this, this shadow side uh, where early on we learn that there are certain traits and qualities of things that are just not okay. And this can, uh, in Jungian terms, start very young where we learn it's not acceptable you know, to, to walk up to another kid in the daycare and smack him in the face because you get in trouble and you get sat in a corner and you find out that's not acceptable. And so we learn early on in our developmental uh, upbringing that, that there are things that are not okay and there are things that are okay. And as our brains develop more socially, we find that there are socially things that are acceptable and not acceptable. And for the most part, these things are good, right? So like, you know, we don't go up to a random stranger and ask them, how much do you weigh? right? That's generally frowned upon in social circles. Uh, you, you wouldn't go up to somebody and ask them, you know, how much money do you have in your wallet or how much money do you make? There are things that are some social constructs that we have in place that are probably pretty good that we need to have. We learn these things in, in, in hundreds or thousands of unspoken little interactions of affirmations of this is okay, this is not okay. And for the most part, it's okay because it causes us to be socially conscious individuals to be able to operate in society. But Carl Jung talks about how there's also these, these shadow sides, these parts of ourselves that we repress because we think if people knew about this part of me, I would not be welcomed into society. And we all have these, these shadow sides, these shadow tendencies that we keep down, we put it into a box, and we put that box on a tall shelf in a closet, and we shut the closet door, and we lock it, and we hope it stays there, and we hope that nobody else finds out about that. And as with all of these dark things, they will find a way out. They will, any repressed parts of these characters will find themselves out, sometimes in self-destructive ways we don't learn to A, deal with them, and B, find people that we can truly be ourselves around. In our first week of the series, we talked about rather than being known for something, 
it was far better to be known by a group of someones, that we need people in our life who can approve of us. And pastors are, are especially vulnerable to this because, you know, Matt and I talk about this a lot, you know, that most of us have jobs where, you know, there, there's some degree of, uh, of review for our work that you do. Sometimes it's annual reviews. You know, if you're in sales, it has to do with, you know, your sales quota, your, your quarterly quotas or various things like that. Uh, pastoring is such a weird thing because pastoring is one of those jobs where it feels like you have a job review on a weekly basis. And the, the job review was how many people showed up, how many people said that was a good message, it was not a good message there, you know, what kind of affirmation, what kind of things did I get? And as much as you try to deny that, as much as you try to say that doesn't matter, just the fact that we are human beings like you, yes, it matters, you know? If I'm gonna have a Sunday where multiple people came up and said, hey, great message, that was so impactful, it was so amazing, I love that quote, I love that book, great shirt, whatever it is, you know, I'm gonna feel great. I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna probably be in a really good mood. Lisa's gonna be like, why are you in a good mood? I don't know, you know, I had a few people that said it was a good message and I felt really good about it, you know? And then, you know, as with everything, you know, there are days where you're on, there are days where you're not on, and, and then you have a message and you just know you didn't feel really good about it and you kind of stumbled over the words and, you know, all these different things didn't come together the way you wanted to and, you know, on, on the way out, you know, you, people kind of do this, you know, walking out thing with the head down and they don't connect with you and you didn't get any, you know, any good message or anything like that. And on those Sundays, as much as you try not to, you're like, man, I just really feel like I failed at life today. Uh, pastors are so prone to, to depression uh, because there's this constant input, this influx of validation or of denial, of ignoring. That's why for a lot of pastors, the average church size tends to hover around 100 to 120 because that's about the amount of people that, that one individual can kind of realistically connect with relationally. Because for churches, as they continue to grow, the, the pastor has to remove from this, this pastoral care of connecting with everybody individually to a congregational care where the communities begin to form and people begin, begin to connect on their own. And then that pastor no longer has the opportunity to stick around and shake every hand and talk to every person on the way out. Uh, and, and it's strange. And for a person who needs that relational connection, it puts you in a different place. But pastors, just like, just like all of us, we're, we're all wired to seek this approval. Here's something that's important to know about approval. And this is, for those of us who struggle, especially in the area of people-pleasing, this is important to recognize this, that approval comes from someone who is in a position of power or of authority over someone else. When you think about approval, that carries with it a legal connotation. So you might say the bill was approved by Congress. People with power and authority conducted a vote and they approved a certain resolution. Or the merger was approved by all business parties. So people with power or authority grant approval to something. And approval is something that we grant to people that we have control or authority over. And in most cases in, within the business world, you know, it's important to stay on the good side of your boss. You generally want to have the approval of 
your employer, uh, if, you're, if you're in an organization there, you know. So approval is appropriate thing to give and to receive when two people have agreed upon this authoritative relationship for a mutually beneficial purpose. So if, if parties have agreed on that, so this could be a child and a parent. Now the child probably doesn't feel they had much of a choice in there and they would like to make their own decisions, right? But there's this, a sense of this mutually agreed upon relationship that as long as, as long as we're paying the bills, as long as you're living in our house, you know, these are the rules, these are the boundaries and this is how this works there and we'll grant approval to, oh, you want to you take the car on Friday night? Well, what are the parameters? And we, we set that out, you know, and we can grant approval in that. Uh, for a worker, for a boss, uh, apprentice and master, if you're, if you're apprenticing in the arts or in the crafts, you want to learn from someone else who gives you approval on the job that you do and you want their approval because you're in this mutually beneficial, mutually agreed upon relationship where they are teaching you something and you're seeking their approval and it both feels good, but it also confirms to you that you are on the right track, or a student and a teacher. So there are these mutually agreed upon relationships there, but in unhealthy relationships with unhealthy boundaries, we can find ourselves unwittingly or unwillingly granting power to someone else by craving their approval. When you think about this definition that approval can only be granted or given by someone in a position of power authority over someone else, and you use that lens to look at your interactions on social media, your interactions with coworkers in your workplace, with, with the Joneses down the street, with the people in your neighborhood, and you recognize that the things that you are craving approval from these individuals, that you are, in essence, giving them a slight degree of power or authority over you. By them granting you approval or denying it from you, you find yourself unwittingly, perhaps dangerously close to unhealthy relationships. And just like we read earlier there from Harriet Breaker, that, that every unhealthy relationship functions in much the same way that the relationship between a drug addict and a drug dealer works. That there's something that the other party has that you want, approval, and they can grant it to you or deny it from you. And then you find yourself craving it and you can find yourself in this unhealthy relationship. So if we're talking about approval in, in a healthy sense, as in a sense of mutually agreed upon uh, boundaries and mutually agreed upon relationship versus the kind where you are simply seeking or craving that approval from someone else, what does it look like in a healthy sense? What, is, what, is, what are we called to as followers of Christ? Because there's a difference between approval and acceptance. And that's what I want to talk about here as we, as we wrap up here. So approval can only come from a position of power authority over someone else. But acceptance is what we really need and what we truly want from each other. But too often we go around looking for approval instead of acceptance. You could say that approval is the quick fix that's the, the affirmation we get when we post something on, on Facebook and then we find out that that thing we posted got a lot of comments and then we find ourselves 
really feeling good that we said or did something right online or we, we posted a picture and it got a lot of likes. And it's that quick fix. And then it's very quickly gone. And as with everything, approval is fickle. We have in our highest offices in the land this thing known as the approval rating. And for our presidents down to congressmen, you can actually view charts based upon polls that are taken that define how much of or what percentage of people approve of your job performance. And if you look at any of those charts, if you zoom in, you'll find that even with the degree or the margin of error, that it's kind of all over the place. That's why Abraham Lincoln said, you know, the, the famous quote, you can please, what, some of the people, some of the time, or all the people, some of the time, but you can't please all the people, all of the time. You can't have an approval rating that goes up and up and up because you're going to say or do something and you're going to have your good days and your bad days. Approval is fickle. We crave it, we want it, but really what we need is acceptance because acceptance is something that any one person can give someone else regardless of power over or authority over that person. Acceptance means I receive you as you are. Recently, we did the, the, the Fred Rogers, the neighbor series, and one of Fred's common refrains was this fully embracing love and acceptance, where he says, I like you exactly the way that you are. Without changing anything, you are accepted. And acceptance runs far deeper, far deeper than, than approval. Approval is fickle, it comes, it goes. But acceptance says, I receive you as you are. Acceptance says, you exist for yourself and not just for me. Approval says, that thing that you did, that thing that you accomplished, that thing that you posted, that thing that you said, that book that you read, I approve of that. But as you know, we're more than the sum of our timesheets or our quarterly reviews or our sales numbers. Deep down, there's a part of us that thinks we're looking for approval, but what we need is acceptance. That's why when Jesus came to this earth and he walked among the people here, he found himself most welcomed with the people who thought they were the furthest removed from society, the prostitutes and the tax collectors, who as much as they tried to put on this thick skin and pretend that those jabbing words and social exclusion didn't matter to them, deep down it hurts. And they would put on this front, but they were lonely and hurting and they wanted approval, but they really needed acceptance. And when Jesus could look a woman in the eye that everyone else in society said, we do not approve of you, you don't belong. Jesus could look into her eyes, into her soul, and say, 
I receive you exactly as you are. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. His acceptance was not conditional. His love was not conditional. It was unconditional. It was offered freely to everyone. And you and I are called as followers of Christ to go and do likewise. Because you see, the only true approval or acceptance that really matters comes from God. John 12, 42 to 43, we read that when Jesus was here on this earth, there were Pharisees, there were people, religious leaders, who wanted to be a part of that group and were drawn to this message. But we read this, but because of the Pharisees would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue, for fear they would lose approval, for fear that their approval ratings would plummet. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. When you begin chasing after that approval, you find yourself, much like an addict, constantly craving it, looking for the next hit, the next hit, until you are in this controlling, manipulative relationship that you find yourself, I can't do anything but pursue these things that grant me the approval and the social acceptance. Why do you think, why do you think the Bible talks about this, this message that we have to offer the world? Why, why is it called the gospel, the good news? The good news is this, that you matter to God, period, full stop. In spite of whatever social exclusions have been applied to you, whatever labels you wear or have worn or have been applied to you by society, you are not excluded from the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is offered freely to all. That's why Jesus said, when he would, do, when he would offer his parables, he's like, well, who do you think that this message applies to more, the sick or the healthy? The sick are the ones who are in need of a doctor. The people who are healthy who really aren't healthy, but they, they try to project this image that they are. They think, I, I, I don't need that. I, I, I'm not, I, I don't have to, uh, to attach myself to that. But Jesus said, no, this is for everyone. Galatians chapter one, verse 10 said, obviously, this is Paul now talking. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Paul realized something, that at the end of the day, human approval is fickle and it comes and it goes. What matters is the acceptance that we have in the kingdom of God. Craig Rochelle, he says this, he says, becoming obsessed with what people think about you is the fastest way to forget what God thinks about you. This validation that we're looking for, this, this next hit that we're trying to get through that, that next like on social media, through that approval of that person who commented on our, our clothes or our makeup or our job or our car, all these different things, we find that it's fickle, it doesn't last. And what we really crave is, is acceptance. And, and the acceptance that matters most is what does our creator say about us? Romans chapter eight, verse 38, Paul says, I'm convinced that nothing can separate me from God's 
love. You could say from God's approval, God's, or God's acceptance of me. Nothing can separate me from that. In spite of anything I've done, there is no thing I've done, no exclusion I've faced in this world that is too big to remove me from God's acceptance of me, his desire to see me grow into the person he created me to be. I don't know about you, but there are a whole lot of churches out there and there's a whole lot of places that put all of these conditions on what it means to be a follower of Christ and, and to experience this, this acceptance. And we find all of these unspoken or sometimes spoken exclusions that are put in place. And yet we're told that, that God's love is freely extended to all who receive it. Because approval, the opposite of approval is, is denial or, or you could say condemnation. Approval means I'm conditionally accepting you for this thing that you have done or said, this group that you belong to, this cause that you say you're a part of. And the opposite would be to condemn, to, to remove yourself from that thing or that person socially. Paul goes on to say in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 2, there's therefore now no condemnation, no removal from those who are in Christ Jesus. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. Romans talks a lot about the law here, and to the people he's talking to, they understand that they had come out of several hundred years of their worth, their value being defined by how good of a job they did at keeping the, the Mosaic law, the Judaic law that was given to them. And if they broke a law, then they could then offer a sacrifice or do something to get themselves back into God's good graces, God's, God's approval of them. And it was this constant back and forth of being within the approval circle and being excluded from for one thing or another. As you read even through the book of Leviticus and look at some of the different things, there were all kinds of things that would exclude you from fellowship. And then you would offer the sacrifice and you'd be back in, but you constantly found yourself riding this in and out, much kind of like the approval ratings. It just was all over the place. And when Jesus comes along, he offers this new covenant. And Paul spends this time in Romans saying, it's not that the law has been thrown out, but it's been proven to be superseded by something better. Because what the gospel says is that you and I are not condemned and there is no condemnation. And this love of God for us supersedes the law and it frees us from the law of sin and death. This old way of living that felt conditional, that had to do with how good of a job we did, no longer applies to us. We found that approval was superseded by acceptance. And God's love for us accepted us exactly where we are. This is the love that we're to model to the world. This is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if you and I do nothing else for the rest of our days other than to try to live out that great commandment, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and learn to love your neighbor as you love yourself, 
to extend to others that same grace and acceptance that says, as another human being created in God's image, I accept you exactly where you are. You could say another way of saying that is you belong. You belong to God. And because you belong to God, therefore you belong here. You matter to God, therefore you matter to me. And that acceptance supersedes approval, supersedes what clothes they're wearing, what groups they hang out with, what things they've done or are doing or are in the midst of doing. It's the kind of love that's so radical that could only be called the gospel, the good news, because that's exactly what it is. That deep feeling of acceptance that says, I'm valued not because of the things I've done, but because of who I am, who I was created to be in God's image. And there is therefore now no condemnation, no exclusion from those who belong to Christ Jesus. Can I pray for us? God, thank you so much for your love for us that is so vast, so wide, that nothing can separate us from there. As we read in Romans, nothing can separate us from your love, neither height nor depth, death or life, things present, things that have happened in our past or things yet to come. Nothing separates us from your love, your acceptance of us. So as your followers who are deeply loved by you, created in your image, help us, God, to no longer chase after the fickle temporary approval of other people. May we learn to rest in your acceptance of us and may we learn to offer that love to others as your followers. And when we share this gospel, this good news, with as many people as we can in this world, with all the time that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.